Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. It's time for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. Hey, guys, welcome to another edition, another week of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. My name is Rob Carson. I am your host, and uh, I also host a show on Newsmax, which is called Rob Carson's What in the World? And it is a uh, satirical look at uh, the news headlines and also politics and other stuff. Uh, it's very entertaining. It's like a it's like a conservative daily. All right. You know, there you go. So much to get on this show. We've got special guest Andrew Giuliana going to be talking to us about uh, Major League Baseball departing Atlanta because of voter integrity laws passed there that have been uh, demonized by the left. Uh, President Obama, the most recent to chime in on it. Uh, Joe Biden saying it's Jim Crow on steroids, which is an insult to anyone who had to suffer through Jim Crow. And it is, uh, honestly, it's ridiculous. I do want to start off with something that I thought was really, really, really amazing. A pastor in Calgary, Canada. Over the weekend, we saw a church service interrupted in Great Britain by the police. Uh, On the holiest day of the year for Christians, uh, about eight police officers went to a church. It's called Calgary's Street Church in Alberta, Canada. They were holding the service on Sunday. And uh, the pastor, Canadian pastor, Artur Polowski, decided to give them a little bit what for. He actually called them uh, Nazis and fascists, and he drove them from the church. And don't come back without a warrant. Do not come back without a warrant. You understand that? You're not welcome here. Nazis are not welcome here. Gestapo is not welcome here. Do not come back, you Nazi psychopaths. Unbelievable, sick, evil people intimidating people in a church during the Passover. You Gestapo, Nazi, communist, fascists. Don't you dare coming back here. By the way, 176 of the criminal code makes it a crime to disturb a church service in Calgary. Can you imagine those psychopaths? Passover, the holiest Christian festival in a year. And they're coming to intimidate Christians during the holiest festival? Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And I'm glad he gave them a little bit what for. There were six police officers who showed up to try to shut down the service. And he said, get out of here. And I absolutely appreciate him for doing that. Because uh, we've had our religious freedoms taken away from us last year. Some places this year. Among other things. And it's shameful. And it is absolutely shameful. President Biden did an Easter greeting with his wife, Jill, and he was looking very vacant, uh, reading off a teleprompter. He never mentioned uh, Jesus Christ one time, even though it was an Easter greeting, but he did mention coronavirus, I think, eight times. Jill and I want to send you our warmest Easter greetings to you and your family. As we celebrate this most holy day, we know many are still going without familiar comforts of the season. The virus is not gone. He does sound like he's really tripping on his tongue a lot lately. And so many of us still feel the longing and loneliness of distance. For a second year, 
Most will be a part of their friends, the full congregations that fill us with joy. And yet, as the Gospel of John reminds us, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome. You said that this was going to be a long, dark winter. The traditions of Holy Week take us on a journey from sorrow to salvation, reminding us that with faith, hope, and love, anything is possible. And today, as spring returns, we see hope all around us. Families are getting the financial help they need to take a breath once again. Businesses are recovering. Okay, there you go. So, so the government taking credit for uh, whatever recovery is happening in the country. Uh, that's what it's all about. It's all about government. It's all about Washington. It's all about the Bidens. Unbelievable, to be quite honest. Unbelievable. Major League Baseball has decided to move its all-star game out of Atlanta because of the voting integrity law that was passed there. It's not Jim Crow. It actually makes cheating much harder to do, which has been all too easy in the state of Georgia specifically. And you got to remember, every time you hear the word racist screamed, it is in this country usually because the left is trying to cover up something. So Jim Pisnarki, or Jim Pisaki, I call it, I do a segment on my show called Hot Saki, and here she is being asked on Friday about Major League Baseball pulling out of uh, Atlanta, which the president is all behind, but the Olympics still going on in China where a million Uyghurs are making uh, iPhones and and being uh, forced to be sterilized, and and I could go on and on and on. Here's Jen Snarky. You know, the president had voiced his support for MLB making a decision about the All-Star Game in Georgia. Um, I'm wondering, when can we expect a final determination from the president about the United States participating in the Beijing Olympics, given that he said the Chinese president doesn't have a democratic bone in his body? Well, I think the U.S. Olympic Committee uh, would play a big role in... Uh, in in on Major League Baseball here in the United States. He actually didn't... I, I think, I don't know if you heard the, qu- the answer, the question, the answer that happened a few minutes ago. That, that actually did not happen. She made that up. We addressed this, and I answered the question. So, uh, and I give a little more context, but maybe you weren't paying attention to that. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Oh, uh, but maybe you weren't paying attention. She sounds like a like a uh, you know a, a bad uh, third grade teacher, maybe substitute teacher filling in. Uh, Jim Pusnarki. Anyway, uh, over the weekend, also Brian Stelter talked to Jim Acosta. Apparently, Jim Acosta has uh, been promoted or something in uh, it's CNN, and this is one of the reasons why CNN's ratings have dropped dramatically. They've lost a million viewers since uh, November. Because uh, Donald Trump is not in the office anymore, and they've lost about half of their material. And they don't go after this president because they're partisans. But here is a little bit of their discussion about post-Trump stress disorder. And the thing that really sickens me about this is that this is supposed to be a news station, and this is pure editorializing. Jim Acosta calls himself a journalist. He is not a journalist. Hey, I'd love to hear from both of you how D.C. journalists are adjusting to the Biden era. Jim, this is your first weekend anchoring here on, on, on Saturday and Sunday afternoons. Do you feel like your rundown, your lineup is, is really different than it would have been in the Trump years? When you're asking me if I was run down, I thought you were referring to how I felt during the Trump era. Uh, no. It's because you're a complete tool and you made a fool of yourself in all of the press conferences by showing your, your partisanship. I think that, you know, listen, uh, we're, I think we're all dealing with some post-Trump stress disorder, uh, you know, other than that happy <laughs> Easter, as he was saying in those I mean, days. This guy's suppo- he's supposed to be a journalist. Is there anything about this that seems unbiased or journalistic? Statements a few days ago. Um, listen, uh, you know, as Annie was just saying a, a few moments ago, 
you know, there are questions about why aren't Republicans uh, getting on board with these Biden proposals. Uh, there were Republicans who were getting on board with overturning the election just a couple of months ago. No, no, they weren't uh, overturning the election. They wanted uh, the election looked at, by the way. They wanted it looked at. They wanted the Supreme Court to hear some cases. They wanted the media to be partial or impartial, I should say, and actually look at real irregularities that happened. And so we shouldn't have high expectations for that. But in terms of stacking shows and what comes first and what comes second, you know, Brian, you and I both know this all too well. We did cover the news before Donald Trump came along. No, you didn't really. And we did it pretty well. No, you didn't. And, you know, there's going to be plenty of stuff in the news out there, and it doesn't have to have uh, Donald Trump in the headlines uh, for us to continue to exist, especially when he's putting out these statements. You know, he, you know, when he was president, he was doing things that were beneath the office of the presidency. Now he's doing <laughs> things beneath the office of the post-presidency. Hmm. He's not going to change, but we need to change with the times. Yeah, well, you know, if you don't change with the times and actually become a news organization, uh, you're going to go uh, the way of the dodo. Jake Tapper uh, went and got his coronavirus vaccine over the weekend. And, of course, he used it as an opportunity to politicize it. Here he is talking about his experience getting his coronavirus vaccine. It's a miracle of modern science. A year ago, heck, last summer, we had no idea if scientists would even be able to discover a vaccine. And now almost 60 million Americans have been fully vaccinated Four million Americans were vaccinated in just 24 hours this weekend. And thank God for everyone involved. Now listen to this, okay? Listen to who he finally says something about at the very end of his list. Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson. Thank God for everyone affiliated with Operation Warp Speed. From the scientists to the officials who signed off on the funding. Who came up with the name uh, Warp Speed and actually uh, decided to uh, get private industry involved instead of just the FDA, which would have taken years to get a vaccine done. Including, yes, former President Trump. Now here comes the backhanded compliment. You know, we hear a lot from MAGA folks about why the Biden administration seems so reluctant to credit Trump for the vaccines. And look. Biden has taken credit for the vaccine. He said he, there was no vaccine when he took office, even though he had two shots before he took the oath of office. I get it. They could certainly be more gracious about it. Maybe it's politics. Oh, you think? Or <laughs> are, you, are you kidding? Maybe it's that Trump screwed up so many other aspects ah, of the response go. to the pandemic. There we go. Yeah. cannot get past those clear derelictions of duty. This is about him getting a vaccine. Okay? This is him talking about a vaccine and using the occasion to rip on Donald Trump. Here he is going through a laundry list of out-and-out out falsehoods. Refusal to acknowledge what was happening, the undermining of science and scientists. Shutting down the border while Joe Biden said that was xenophobic. The mocking of those who wore masks, the attacks on Democratic governors for trying to take safety precautions, the promotion of quackeries. By the way, um, uh, the Democrat states that have been shut down, uh, there's no difference in the number of coronavirus cases and deaths proportionally to the states that stayed open. In fact, the states that stayed open actually are doing better. Okay, I'll mention that. As far as quackery is concerned, he didn't say anything about quackery. There was this myth that you would inject uh, uh, Clorox into your veins whatever that was that was bogus it was taken out of context and by the way he said that you should take hydrochloroquine and there were literally governors who banned the use of hydrochloroquine even though it's used around the country it's over the shelf in africa and it was proven by the cdc and the fda to actually be really effective and because it wasn't used possibly hundreds of thousands of people may have died from this so it wasn't quackery 
mishandlings that had real tangible impact. Mm -hmm. All of that was uh, absolutely untrue. And the former president of the United States did an outstanding job marshalling the troops, marshalling private industry and the government to get two vaccines to the fore in record time. It happened in record time. Never before in history has it happened. There was a swine flu in 2010 that I got. I actually had pneumonia and my lungs filled with fluid. There was no attempt to get a vaccine done uh, from the Obama administration and no attempt to even acknowledge that 67 million people got it. Here is one more uh, line from Jake Tapper where he invoked the words of Deborah Burks, who was uh, uh, who left the administration because she did a terrible job. Look at it this way. The first time we have an excuse, there were about 100,000 deaths that came from that original surge. All of the rest of them, in my mind, could have been mitigated or decreased substantially. Maybe if hydroxychloroquine hadn't been banned. All of the rest of them. All of the rest. Now, here's where Jake Tapper blames Donald Trump for all the people who've died of COVID. them is about 450,000 U.S. lives, 450,000 dead fathers. This is because he got a vaccine. He should have said, hey. They got the vaccine done, and I'm grateful. But he chose to just become a complete political tool about Mothers, it. Mothers, sisters and brothers, husbands and wives, oh, yeah. sons and daughters, mm-hmm. sure. dead. And not only did Trump not deny this dereliction, in a statement pushing back against doctors Burks and Fauci... And he should have, because they've been wrong about everything. After Sanjay's CNN documentary, Trump acknowledged that he went against the expert's advice. Quote, and he was right, actually. And and by the way, he also went against the WHO, who just said that China didn't manufacture the virus. It was uh, transmitted from a uh, bat to a human or something like that. When that is not the case, China owes the world trillions of dollars. They owe us a debt that they can never pay back. Based on their interviews, I felt it was time to speak up about Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, Trump said. Two self-promoters trying to reinvent history to cover for their bad instincts and faulty recommendations, which I fortunately almost always overturned. That's it. The overturning. That's part. Wow. Journalism is dead. I mean, journalism is, is dead. It's a shame. It's a shame because journalism in this country should be the greatest institution in the world because we have the First Amendment. And I've told you this before, with the first time in human history, people were allowed to freely worship and speak without being thrown in jail for criticizing leaders and, and uh, unpopular speech was protected for the very first time not ruled over by a mob like they do on college campuses now, and yet the media still chooses to tow a party line. Tow a party line. Charles Barkley, uh, you know, is a pretty interesting character, and he actually said something pretty wise, and he nailed it. He nailed it as far as politicians and dividing us. Listen to this. Shared that news, how painful it was. Yeah, but the one thing I took out of that piece was... Man, I think most white people and black people are great people. I really believe that in my heart. But I think our system is set up where our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are designed to make us not like each other so they can keep their grasp of money and power. Oh, yes. They divide and conquer. I truly believe in my heart most white people and black people are awesome people. But we're so stupid following our politicians, whether they are Republicans or Democrats. And their only job is, hey, let's make these people not like each other. We don't live in their neighborhoods. 
we all got money. Let's make the whites and blacks not like like each other. Let's make rich people and poor people not like each other. Uh, let's let's scramble the middle class. I truly believe that in my heart. I truly believe you are exactly right. I was raised in the uh, the seventies and early eighties, and when I was a kid. You know, we had Sesame Street and we had Schoolhouse Rock and there was a Schoolhouse Rock song called Great American Melting Pot and it featured kids of all colors. We didn't care about it. We didn't care about it. Generation X uh, didn't care about race. And now there is a victim class. Uh, now everybody's going to be a victim. You'll recall a couple of weeks ago, Kamala Harris and the president went to Atlanta after a, uh, a mass shooting incident. Six of the victims were Asian who worked at Asian spas. It was not a uh, narrative. It was not an anti-Asian hate crime like they wanted it to be, but they attempted to victimize Asians and make Asians into victims. And most Asian people look at this country as a land of opportunity. They don't want to be victimized. And that trial balloon did not float. It did not float at all. It was rejected. Are there anti-Asian hate crimes happening in the country? Absolutely. There are a lot of racist people but to try to take an entire class of people and make them into victims when they are successful uh, in school and in entrepreneurship was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Here is uh, Diamond and Silk. They had uh, they had Jenna Ellis on their show talking a little bit about uh, about the Atlanta, uh, I should say, the state of Georgia election integrity law, and they had some choice words about it. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Now, now, Jennifer, you got to have an ID when you fly, yes. when you go to the doctor, yes. uh, 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 when you go to a school. Yes. And you want to tell me uh. that black people cannot have an ID mm. because it's disparaging or it's racist uh. for, for them to show an ID in order to vote. Now, that is called the soft bigotry of low expectations. And I will also say that it is about infantilizing black people. That's what the Democrat Party does. They infantilize black people and make them victims and it gives them power. And it really is, it's quite insulting. You want to tell me that in order for black people to stand in lie and vote, Oh, you got to give them a little water uh -huh. and a cheeseburger. Uh -huh. This is crazy yeah. to me. And the mere <laughs> fact that black people are allowing the so-called black leaders mm -hmm. and the black influencers to exploit what? us. Come on. Okay? To make it look like black people are so ignorant uh -huh. that we can't have an ID. Uh -huh. I'm telling you, it's unbeknownst to me. Like, something is seriously wrong here. Yeah, yes, there is. And it also is a shame that so many in leadership positions are perfectly fine with that. Rob Schmidt talked about the Biden tax plan with Steve Forbes. You know, we're talking about massive increases in taxes, the corporate income tax going up to 28%. It is going to kill business. It always does. But here is uh, Rob Schmidt talking to Steve Forbes about what it's going to do to the American economy. Does this Biden plan, though, if they push this through, will that crush some of that momentum? It certainly will. It'll end up uh, doing perversely more harm than good. Yes, we do have infrastructure needs in this country. Yeah. But one, this bill does not address the fact that uh, because of bureaucratic delays, you hate to spend years. A bridge that could be do, done in two years now takes 10 years. doesn't address that. It also has a lot of stuff in there that has nothing to do with infrastructure. Just like that uh, so-called stimulus bill only had about 10 percent for COVID uh, measures. So why nice. do they need money for uh, housing? 
uh, have states that have uh, fewer restrictions on housing, that would take care of the housing problem. Mm -hmm. $300 billion for manufacturing, yet they're going to raise taxes on manufacturing. Where, where, where's the logic in that? And then tens of billions of dollars for electric vehicle recharging stations. Did Washington have to subsidize the building of gasoline stations? No. If the demand is there, legitimate demand is there, uh, entrepreneurs will finance it. Investors will finance it. Yep. But those tax increases are going to hurt. They're going to hurt investment. They're going to hurt flows of capital coming into this country because now we're going to have the highest corporate tax rate in the world when you combine federal and, uh, and state taxes. So uh, we're putting barriers up. The economy's ready to roar, right. but they're putting all these barriers in the way. And the thing is, there's more bad things to come. There is, and there are a lot, and it always happens that way. And American manufacturing made a comeback. It came back. Barack Obama said, what magic wand are you going to wave? And Donald Trump waved the, uh, the magic wand of less regulation and lower taxes, and it worked beautifully. Here is uh, Rob Schmidt talking to Steve Forbes about where all this money is going to come from. It's a once-in-a-generation investment in our economic future, a chance to win the future. Paid for by asking big corporations, many of which do not pay any taxes at all, just to begin to pay their fair share. And it won't raise a penny tax on a family making less than $400,000 a year. Respond to that statement. Uh, well, where does the money come from by these big corporations? They come ultimately from customers. It doesn't grow on trees. They don't have piles of cash sitting in the basement that, that can be easily tapped. <laughs> So they're going to get it by charging more, which means less money for workers, means less investment for the future that the president talks about, and also means less wages. So it, uh, there, there's no free lunch in this kind of thing. And they also are proposing taxes uh, that are becoming up that are going to slam small business. When he talks about, oh, I'm going to raise the income tax and it's only going to hit rich people, many, many small businesses are taxed at personal income tax rates. Those businesses are going to be slammed by this. And by the way, the infrastructure bill takes away some other tax breaks for a, a, a commerce that is going to hurt the economy as well. So we go from a good place in the world to the worst place in the world. And they're calling it, what, a generational change in this country. What it is, it's a throwback to 1939, 1929 uh, with FDR. That's all it is. They look at FDR as the pinnacle. He uh, introduced a gigantic infrastructure program, which uh, many, much of it was uh, digging holes and filling them back in again. There were some positives from it. The Hoover Dam got built, among other things. But it actually prolonged the Great Depression. So they're going back to that playbook. They're going back to 1929, and they are investing $100 million in, uh, I think it's, no, it's more than that, billions of dollars in electric car charging spots when the market should have the choice, okay? I mean, listen, the free market is going to determine whether people want to buy electric cars or not. That's what I'm trying to say. Grant Stenfield talked to uh, Senator John Thune from South Dakota about the crisis on the border. You know, even on our own behalf, Senator, I have viewers asking me, what can I do to fight back? You know, as, as a viewer, what do you do as a senator uh, right now? People are frustrated. They are. And I think we've just got to keep putting pressure on the administration. This is it's out of control. Uh, Grant, you mentioned it um, and we saw it firsthand last weekend. But there are literally thousands pouring across the border every day. It was entirely preventable, entirely avoidable. The, the border patrol. This is an insult to you, and this is an assault on you. It's an assault on our country, and it is an assault on American citizenry. Told 
the Biden administration that this was going to happen if they did these things and went away from the, the Trump border policies. They, they did exactly all those things, and they've got what was a crisis that was totally predicted and totally avoidable. And this could be stopped in a day. So what do they need to do? They need to start enforce, enforcing immigration law, uh, continue building the wall, which they have suspended funding for, um, you know, put the remain in, in Mexico policy back into place. There are so many things that could fix this in a, in a New York minute if they were willing to do it. But right now, the signal and the message people from south of the border receiving is uh, it's a big green light. And it is a continuation of the Obama administration's policy of open borders. Here is uh, Grant Stinchfield talking about Matt Gates. I don't know if you uh, know this, but Matt Gates is being accused of uh, a variety of things, including uh, sex trafficking, a 17-year-old. None of this has been proven. Uh, but the Democrats want him out of office here. And I don't, I don't, listen, I don't know. I haven't made up my mind. If he did do something like that, he's a scumbag, needs to be removed. But he needs due process as well. And apparently uh, there's been a lot of leaking from uh, the New York Times, among other things, uh, leaking of, uh, of uh, private information from unnamed sources, which is what they are actually uh, doing. That's their modus operandi now. Here he is talking to Grant Stinchfield, talking to Alan Dershowitz about Matt Gates. Thank you. Great to see you. Let's get the facts straight, though. The investigation of the congressman began under the Trump administration. But what happened is... Under the Biden administration, the Justice Department leaked the material improperly. If they leaked yeah. grand jury material, that was clearly a crime. But we know they leaked material. Now, he is not a he is a subject, not a target of the investigation. And there are Justice Department rules that you do not leak information about subjects. Subjects may end up just being... Every branch of our government right now is corrupt, including the Justice Department. Witnesses. And remember, this is a... It is a swamp. ...very complicated case. There are really three investigations. Number one, there is an allegation of sex with a 17-year-old, which would be a serious federal crime. Second, there are allegations of paying for sex by adults, something the federal government almost never prosecutes, except if it's part of a large trafficking ring. And third, there's his allegation that there was an attempt to extort him, and apparently the FBI had his father wear a wire. So there are these three re investigations, related in some respects, unrelated in others. Why would his father wear a wire? And we shouldn't be knowing about it. We, the public, shouldn't know about it until he becomes a target, if he becomes a target, yes. until there's an indictment. But there was a leak, and that ought to be investigated. The New York Times should not be given information about ongoing investigations. But they are. And that's the way things flow in Washington, D.C. Leaking private information to the New York Times and then disseminating that. We've seen it time and time and time again. Uh, this is Grant talking with uh, Rick Grinnell about telescoping weakness. How right now the Biden administration is telescoping weakness around the world. That's why Russia is... Uh, amassing troops on the Ukrainian border. Here's that exchange. Is that Russia is amassing troops on the border of the Ukraine again. I have not heard Joe Biden even talk about this, but this is a huge development that could have implications across the globe, right? Look, uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of our uh, enemies around the world are smelling weakness when it comes to uh, the Biden administration. Look no further than what just happened in Alaska on U.S. soil. We were lectured to on human we rights were and racism 
by the Chinese. <laughs> now you have the Russians who, uh, you know, are pushing their Nord Stream 2 pipeline into Europe with very little pushback from the Biden administration. So what do they do? They're now going to put troops... Uh, and Russia can stop the flow of oil into Europe with the flip of a switch. On the Ukraine. And they will. The border, they're going to yeah. continue to muscle their way. And now we see the Biden administration is going to sit down with the Iranians and talk, uh, rewarding them, and they haven't done anything yet. No. But uh, my sources are telling me that uh, they're, they're doing this, they're sitting down, because the Europeans are demanding that we be nicer to the Iranians. And that's been a line that we've heard from the Europeans for quite some time. But yeah. there's a different threat between Iran and Russia and Europe and the United States. And when there is a void left by the United States, the world descends into chaos. Speaking of uh, descending into chaos, um, the U.S. Capitol is a terrible place to be right now with all the shutdowns, with also razor ribbon and troops. This is our country. This is the United States of America. I lived in Washington, D.C. in that area for around 12 years, and I loved it when I was there. Very expensive place to live. But it is uh, awful right now. It is not a good place to be, and it is frightening. Sebastian Gorka filled in for Greg Kelly. Here is his observation about life in Washington, D.C. now. We are in a divided city. It is quite ironic that during the Cold War, there was an iron curtain that divided the free West from the captive slave nations of the East. Well, if you come to Washington, D.C. today, you'll see something very, very similar. This is not America, guys. It's not America. Miles and miles of fencing, tipped with razor wire and guarded by thousands and thousands of our brave National Guards men and women. If you're an American citizen, you can't get access to the sacred building where decisions are made about your future. You can't get into the Capitol. Yep. If you're an illegal alien and you want to cross our southern border, that's fine. But not if you're an American that wants to visit the building that is supposed to represent all of us, irrespective of our political identity. We live in two countries. We are living a tale of two cities. And I've used an analogy for years. We have the bourgeois, which is us, and the proletariat, which is Washington, D.C. They live by a different set of rules. They move to Washington, D.C., they get into office, and then they become rich. They sell books that nobody buys. They get book deals for, for books that don't sell. Super PACs buy the books and send them to a landfill so they can get on the New York Times bestseller list. And then once they leave office, they become lobbyists and they become rich beyond most Americans' wildest dreams. While people are mining coal in West Virginia, they are riding in motorcades blocks long with big SUVs while they want you to drive in an unsafe electric vehicle. Use poison light bulbs while they live in mansions. I've been saying it forever and it is crystal clear. It is crystal clear. Here is uh, Sebastian Gorka talking to uh, Victor David Hansen on uh, the changing politically correct ideology of the U.S. military. Secretary of Defense to say that he's going to examine uh, the ranks and look at ideological profiles to see if there's an enemy within. What does he mean? Does he mean he's going after BLM? He's going after Antifa? Or is he just singling out so-called uh, Trump supporters yep. or alt-right? It's very dangerous. And this comes in a landscape, Seb, where we have had 270 former generals and national security officials weigh in on the June 6th uh, violence at the Capitol of last year in which they said that it was tyrannical 
for uh, Donald Trump even to consider the use of federal troops. And then when Washington, in fact, was militarized after January 6th, and I don't know why there is a reason to have the barbed wire and fences still persisting, they've gone quiet, they're mute. So there's a perception at least- Because they're scared of us. At least among the public, even the conservative traditional public, which is the, the usual defender of the military against the left, that this military is now ideologically warped and weaponized. And that's very scary. It is, it is very frightening. And I want you to just think about this. Have you seen anything like this before in your life? I'm in my early 50s. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And every day we see something chipped away. Every day we see something that we hold sacred. Insulted. You know, tearing down statues, and I'm not a big Confederate statue guy, but, you know, I am about freedom of expression, and, and I am about non-mob rule. But they are going after Abraham Lincoln, for crying out loud. They're going after everything we hold sacred and dear. Unbelievable. Here is Victor David Hansen talking about what our enemies are thinking of this new politically correct military. What kind of conclusions could our adversaries be drawing, Professor Hansen? A lot of them, and none of them are good. They could say, well, this this organization is not for the creation of, or the maintenance of deterrence. It's an internal political organ. Or it could say, who are these people to talk to us about democracy? Because now they're emulating the very tactics that we do periodically to cleanse the ranks of anti-Putin people or to cleanse them of anti-communist uh, people and the People's Republic. And so... We don't have a tradition. Again, this is very strange because it was Hollywood. Very strange and it's very dangerous. And the left always told us it was a Dr. Strangelove seven days in May threat from right-wingers that would have coups. And we had to watch out for conservatives. But now what we see is when you don't have that media deterrence, the left feels that the military is useful because it can green light social change with, throughout the chain of command with a snap of the fingers. And it's not messy, it's not legislative, it's just transgender this, gay this, social awareness this, and uh, that's why they become the new... It makes us look weak. It telegraphs weakness to the world, and the world is a very cruel place. A lot of country was like, you dead, and they want to take your property. Down, uh, ...supporters and friends of the military, and the military acts as we would expect in a Pavlovian fashion. They say... If, being woke predicates whether I'm going to be promoted or demoted, I'm going to make the necessary ideological adjustment. And then it adds again, there's a cultural shift developing between maybe captain. Think like us or you won't move up. And then major and then lieutenant colonel upward. The people who feel they're not part of the Washington nexus, or they're not going to make general. They, they're ideologically at odds. They don't like what's going on. They feel that their command is becoming politicized. I just hope that not... Uh the destruction is not so great in four years that we can't turn it around. Or that in two years, provided H.R. 1 is not passed, when the American people will rise up at the ballot box and turn this around. Andrew Giuliani, former advisor to President Trump and now Newsmax, uh, I guess, a reporter, a contributor. He's all over the place. Hello, sir. Welcome. Awesome, Rob. Great to be with you again. It's great to see the podcast taken off. I love it. I think it's because I was on one of the first ones. No, I'm kidding. It's no, you, you. You've been incredible. 
You were you were the launch. You were you were the uh, you know you were the countdown, baby. <laughs> well, it's nice to see you still remember your friends. You know when when now you're big time. You know? it's nice <laughs> to see you still remember your friends at the beginning. So thank you for having me back. Hey, I want to ask you this, buddy, because I know you are uh, a, you worship you are. I would assume you're Catholic. I, that's what I got when you told me you're going to be in church all day on Sunday. I said, he's probably Catholic. That's right. Okay, that's absolutely right. How important? Yeah. I mean, it, to me, it just seemed. Easter seemed so important this year that yeah. we come together and we and we worship and and it just it, we needed it more than ever. Did you feel that? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it on Friday while I was doing the Stations of the Cross about how much I missed being in church last Easter. Yeah, and how sad it was that uh, we, we couldn't go to church last Easter. And and and, based, and really, the thought that that should never ever happen again. We should never whatever. Whatever we do in terms of shutting things down, if, if that was to ever somehow happen, if there was a more deadly virus that came in, uh, I think people still need to be able to get to church and to pray and to worship. Yes. Um, so, so my mind uh, went there. But, but you're absolutely right. I think because of last year, because of everything that's happened over the last uh, 13 months, I think it was so important to be able to uh, celebrate Easter this year with yeah. family to the end time in church to be in church for the most holy day of the year, which is Easter Sunday and yeah. resurrection. Well, I just we can't let this happen again, Andrew. We we can't. I said this last year at this time. I said we cannot let this happen again. We cannot let the government tell us we can't go to church right. and we can't go to a movie and we can't send our kids to school. We can't do this again, Andrew. You're absolutely right. I mean, that, that is dead on. You can't have the government ultimately mandating and dictating uh, whether whether or not you can you know, celebrate your uh, your religious beliefs or or participate in the in the free market. Uh, you, you can't you can't do that or yeah. or go to a baseball game, which I'm sure we'll have more conversation about later in this uh, later. In this well, now let's just talk but, about let's just talk about that right now, because there are two things that are officially dead to me. Saturday Night Live and Major League Baseball. And it's a, it's a tragedy because I you know grew up listening to Jack Buck and Harry Carey and and the Boys yeah. of Summer on the radio. And now that they're pulling the All Star Game out of Atlanta for politics, I'm not going to listen to a second of it yeah. this summer. I'm not going to do it. And look, I think I think that's the way to do it. You know, as as they were protesting, the NFL was protesting the national anthem last year. I kept saying like, look, this is their First Amendment right to do this, but it's also my right as a consumer to take my discretionary income elsewhere. And I urge anybody else who does not like the fact that they were protesting our cops, protesting, I believe, the military, although they won't say that, during our national anthem, to take your discretionary income elsewhere, because that's where they're really going to get hit. But in terms of pulling out of Georgia because of voter integrity, it's beyond absurd. And, and yeah. you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm not watching any baseball this year. No. Um, I'm done with it. And I urge anybody who actually believes in voter integrity to do the same thing. Yeah. And by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, even as Major League pulls out of Atlanta, you're still required to bring a photo ID to pick up your tickets. <laughs> <laughs> it's beyond absurd. Or, or you know, Delta, and, and obviously Delta has made a stand on this, and they're now, they're now allowing middle seats. I guess those middle seats, you don't need an ID to sit in the middle seats. I know they're terrible to sit in middle seats on Delta anyway, but I guess you don't need identification to actually be in there or come on a Delta flight. It's beyond absurd. Yeah. And don't let anybody, anybody ever bring up racism when it comes to identification. This yeah. is voter integrity. It's protecting the integrity of every American who votes, whether they're white, whether they're black, Hispanic, Asian. It doesn't matter. We should, if, if truly 
Voting is our number one and most important right as Americans. We should make sure that they are secure. Yeah, and uh, my, the other one is dead to me is uh, SNL. This weekend they featured Lil Nas X, which, you know, he had a really pretty good song. He worked with Billy Ray Cyrus last year and did kind of a rap country crossover, and I liked it. And then he just went off the rails. He he did he has a video where he does a lap dance on Satan's lap. He introduced these $1,000 Nike shoes with a drop of human blood and a pentagram on them. And then this weekend, SNL did a, a parody where uh, Lil Nas X did a, a brief lap dance on Christ. And I'm like, you know, honestly, would they ever do anything like that with a Muslim uh, a version of, of Allah? You know, it's just to well, me. Well, first off. It doesn't get lower off, than that. SNL, SNL peaked over 20 years ago when Chris Farley p- played me. It peaked and it's gone way <laughs> yeah. down the hill since then. Yeah. The truth is, you're absolutely right. I actually, for the first time in a couple of years, turned it on for the open last weekend to see if they were going to actually go after Biden. I mean, he did trip on the stairs. Could you imagine if that was President Trump? And they didn't touch it until, I think, their weekend update. I stopped watching halfway through that cold open because it was terrible. But you're absolutely right. I mean, the fact that he would would do that and they would portray Christ like that, it's just, it's absolutely disgusting. It really is. It's disgusting. And and you know what? They're not funny anymore. It's it's political. And I want outlets to be able to get out of politics. And sports used to be one of those outlets. Yeah. Comedy is one of those outlets. I know, I know comedy sometimes brings in politics, and that's some of the great comedians can do that. But it's in a funny manner, not in a nasty manner. And it's been so nasty for a long time. You know, you, you watch any of these guys, whether it's, you know, the guy on CBS or, uh, I mean, F- Fallon's not too bad, but Fallon's even gone that way too. Or yeah. what's his name, the old man show guy. Um, you know, they, they are just, they're not funny anymore. Kemmel, yeah, yeah. Kemmel's not funny. Um, and I'll tell you, uh, Stephen Colbert is not funny. He's just vitriolic. No, he's not. You know, I, I like to approach politics and disarm people with humor. That's what I did with Rush Limbaugh when, when I was writing a lot of his comedy, is you disarm yeah. people who disagree with you using humor. But Stephen Colbert, he uses uh, humor as a cudgel. Um, and to to ignore uh, the the problems with the left and and then support a political agenda. Let's talk a little bit about um, a lot of these uh, anti Asian hate crimes that are going on. And I've been paying attention, particularly to New York um, this morning. They have a task force that are looking at Asian hate crimes. And I'll just say one thing that is not being covered by the media is the fact that there appears to be some sort of cultural element to this with African Americans attacking Asians, whether it be out of hate or out of convenience. Uh, your thoughts on that, being from New York, because literally four anti-Asian hate crimes have happened in the last two weeks in New York City. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this a few weeks back when we first started seeing this reported in the, in the news here, in the national news. Um, you know, critical race theory, and I'm taking it on a little bit of a tangent here, but yeah. critical race theory uh, it, it really destroys the meritocracy. And if you think about who benefits the most, yeah. which groups benefit the most from at meritocracy in education, it's Asian Americans. We've seen Harvard go after Asian American applications. We've seen the New York City yeah. school systems try to break down their uh, their merit-based entry into yeah. the Stuyvesant, the gifted and talented programs. Yeah. And so really critical race theory has done more to hurt I think Asian Americans than anywhere else, and they've to- they basically told 
New Yorkers, they've told Americans that, hey, look, they are getting an unfair advantage. The equity is not working out because they are they're achieving more than you are. Look, there's been a tension for a long time in New York between the African-American and Asian-American community. You can ask Al Sharpton going back to the 80s about this when he boycotted a Korean restaurant because it was Korean. I mean, that's that's why. So I I think I don't like to assign that, you know, this. One race is this. I think there's just natural tensions there. And, yeah. and that happens a lot in New York because you have immigrants from all over the world. But look, the truth is there should be hate crimes, whether black people, white people, yeah. uh, Hispanic people, Asians are doing it like enough with this. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew Giuliani, <laughs> thanks for talking to me today. I appreciate it, my brother. Rob, great talking with you. Awesome to see you guys uh, kicking butt. Just remember me as uh, as you keep getting bigger and bigger. So. <laughs> All right, you're welcome on the show anytime. Talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks, Rob. Okay, Andrew Cuomo, awesome. Love Andrew Cuomo. He's awesome. Speaking of, uh, or Andrew Cuomo, Andrew Giuliani. I was thinking of Andrew Cuomo. I don't love Andrew Cuomo. By the way, uh, the reason why I bring it up is that Andrew Cuomo apparently got $4 million for his book. Did you know they got $4 million? It's called uh, American Crisis, in case you didn't know. You want to guess how many uh, hard copies it sold? 4,000. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the 4000 is from his deal for his previous book, All Things Possible. I was incorrect. Yet he still got $4 million for doing a book, even though his previous book only sold 4,000 copies. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Just a couple uh, more stories to go to here. Spain is now mandating people wear face masks on the beaches, including for people sunbathing or swimming in the ocean. <laughs> The law went into effect on Wednesday, and anyone refusing to comply will be fined 100 euros. Apparently, there was major backlash to this insane new law. Sunday UK Times says a law to uh, enhance face masks in public, even when sunbathing or on the beach, has spread dismay through Spain's tourism industry. And it's honestly, it's time for this, uh, this COVID nonsense to end a lot of the times we think that uh, American media is bad, but the, the Canadian media is just as bad. This is a reporter for City News in Toronto earlier last week proclaiming that uh, before issues of climate change can truly be addressed, uh, the, the societal ills of Canada. And I want you to think, listen to how similar this sounds to the American left. Uh, We just came off of Earth Hour, right? And the conversation is back at top of mind for a lot of people. But who is most impacted right now as we look to this climate crisis in the country? Overwhelmingly, Mel, it's the marginalized communities in our cities. And in order for us to really tackle the climate crisis as a nation, we're going to have to really reckon with our colonial and capitalistic and racist past as a country because those things all impact those who are affected. It just sounds like something she learned in college. I mean, this is literally, this is exactly what is spewed by the left in college. She's reading talking points. Let's hear it again. Reckon with our colonial and capitalistic and racist past as a country. <laughs> because those things all impact those who are affected by the climate. Why do you need to reckon with your capitalistic past? That's that's how you're actually being paid to be a reporter. Just thought you should know. Finally, we do live in strange times when a dad can get arrested in Disney World for refusing to get his temperature taken. Kelly Sills, 47, of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, was arrested on February the 13th, pled not guilty after he was charged with criminal trespassing for not getting his temperature taken at Disney World. Here's some of the video. So at this time, sir, 
You're being asked to leave the premises by Chris, who is a security manager at Disney Springs. Listen to me, sir. Sir. They are asking you to leave. We are we are going to escort you out now, sir. You are you are officially being trespassed. Okay, so where are you? Are you refusing to leave or are you going? Can you believe this? This is in Disney World, and for refusing to get his temperature taken, he's being charged with criminal trespass. You want to be charged with a crime is just you know, buying lunch at Disney World and seeing the prices. Sir, that's criminal. Two, start walking, sir. You're telling me I spent 15 grand? Put your hands behind your back, sir. Wow, wow, wow. We do live in strange times. Hopefully, they'll get better soon. We'll see. Guys, I want to thank you for joining me. Make sure to download the Newsmax app on your phone. Five million plus of you have done it since November. It's wildly popular. And this podcast is gaining popularity dramatically. We do it five days a week. I do it five days a week, uh, giving you a, a look at the news and also kind of my perspective and a little bit of humor. Maybe you get a laugh or two out of it as well. Have a great day, guys. I will see you and you'll hear me tomorrow on Newsmax. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details.